0: in this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 23rd to the 29th of January. I'm Ezie Pearson, the magazine's features editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Review's editor Paul Manny.
1: Hello, Paul! Hello, Ezy. Wow, I can't believe we're dealing with the end of January already. I know. Time. Goes so quickly. <laughs> Not fair, is it? However, now last week we almost left you on a, a cliffhanger because we had the conjunction of Venus with Saturn literally the next day so that was on sunday sort of thing the next day monday the 23rd they're joined by the crescent moon the moon's back in the evening sky now deep sky observers will probably go boo because it does mean it'll get higher and higher and start to interfere with the night sky but you're all right i always say you're all right for the first week until it gets the first quarter after first quarter then it interferes more so on the 23rd you have this really thin crescent and this will be to the left of Venus. Now, Venus will now be slightly to the upper left of Saturn. That's how much Venus moves. It was below left of Saturn at conjunction. It's now to the upper left of Saturn uh, on the 23rd. So the moon joins them, and this will be a great photo opportunity, but it'll also be great in binoculars as well. So do get out, have a look in the evening twilight for this. This ephemeral moon with Venus. And Saturn in the evening sky. You'll want to be looking towards, really, the, uh, sort of like the southwestern horizon. I would say about 5.30. Um, I always make sure you've got to make sure the sunset, you know, that's golden rule, isn't it, Ezzy? Always make sure the sun has set out the way, but don't leave it too late because obviously they will set because they're in the twilight as well. So 5.30 UK time, an ideal time to actually see them in the bright twilight and follow them down, follow them down setting. But you do have to have, we often say this, but an uncluttered horizon. This is the problem with lots of the events. They always seem to happen towards the horizon, don't they? But then that's because we're dealing with twilight planets. <laughs> Yeah, if, you, if, you, if
0: you're dealing with the planets, they do tend to be a bit lower in the night sky, unfortunately, um, because of the way that the solar system works. Um, but sometimes they get a bit higher in the night sky. Venus is going to be reasonably high in the night sky this year, so that's going to be a great chance to see that.
1: Yes, it's a, a great year for Venus in actual fact. So, you know, that would be great to watch that creep out and get higher because we tend to think of the twilight planets, Mercury. Mercury always does linger in the evening twilight, whereas Venus, it, it always, like, makes a break for it, Ezzie. You know, I'm going to get away from the twilight and can be seen for several hours. I mean, it gets to the point where it can set four hours after the sun. So that's in a dark sky, and that's when it can be quite dazzling as well. So yes, we'll have some good views of Venus this year. Now, go a couple of days later, and we're dealing with the Moon again, but it makes a lovely triangle with Neptune and Jupiter. This is the 25th of January. Uh, Look a little bit later, about half past six sort of thing, you know, but it is high in the sky, so they will take a lot longer to actually set. But they're not too far from the circlet of Pisces. This is an interesting asterism. We have the constellations, which are the traditional constellations, which we know as Pisces, the fishes, etc. Pegasus, the flying horse, etc. Well, with Pisces, the end of the right hand of the fish is actually, they, they call it a circlet. Well, (laughs) <laughs> this is the oddest circle I've ever seen sort of thing. It's definitely not a circlet as far as I'm concerned. But uh, it's an interesting sort of like, you know, shaped uh, feature. But we call it the circlet of Pisces. Now Neptune is sort of like, you know, not too far from that. And so what we've got is we've got Neptune, then a little bit higher up we've got this crescent moon. And you should still see some Earth shine but it will be diminishing because the crescent phase is getting thicker. And then almost above and slightly to the left will be Jupiter. Now, Jupiter's obvious, you know, it's very bright. Other than Venus, it's the brightest object in the night sky. But you've got this lovely moon forming this light, shallow triangle with Neptune and Jupiter. And because the distances are almost equal, you can give that as a guide to finding Neptune. Now, admittedly, you do need a small... uh, large binoculars or a small telescope, and a good finer chart. And obviously, we provide them in the magazine and online as well anyway so you know it is well worth having look. but i just think photographically you can get them because neptune will show up photographically quite well and you'll be able to identify using the star charts which dot of light is actually neptune so you can get a picture of jupiter the crescent moon and neptune all in one go at the same time obviously you know it's worth having a telescope on them but you know it's a nice it's nice to see it naked eye and then scan with binoculars and then home in with a telescope to each one
0: Yes, because as you said, it does form a a pretty perfect looking uh, isosceles triangle with the moon right at the tip. So if you are maybe looking to try and find Neptune for the first time um, and you want a bit of help and a bit of guidance, this could be a perfect week to to try and and do that because Neptune, it is is one of the trickier ones to to spot um, requiring binoculars or a telescope, unlike most of the planets which are just you look and they are there in the sky, all big and bright and obvious. In fact, most of the times, if you notice something bright in the night sky, it's probably a
1: planet. Yes, the number of times I've been asked sort of thing, what's that, pla- that What's that bright star next to the moon? And I've often said, that's no star, that's a planet, sort of thing, because that's usually the case as such. But as we do note these star diaries, you know, the moon does pass some of the uh, brighter stars as well, but, you know, it has some really good encounters with planets, which I always like, especially when they're really close. And of course, last December, we had the Occultation of Mars. That was, that's not just a close one, it's a complete finish. So. I want to finish this week. It's a bit of a long bit, but we've mentioned Comet C 2022 E3 ZTF and the ZTF is this Zenith transit facility and they were the ones that discovered it i mean they, they get confusing don't they with all these different surveys sort of thing you know, and all sorts sort of thing you know to actually find these uh and then pan stars as well i i, I think a, a, i think a lot of people are just referring to this one
0: as comet e3 yeah
1: yeah
0: e3. <laughs> to make it a bit a bit more less of a mouthful
1: exactly sort of thing so e3 So it sounds like something you'd find in a movie, a sci-fi movie as well. (laughs) It actually moves into being circumpolar and may brighten to naked eye visibility. Now, binoculars should be enough to actually follow it. On the 23rd, it lies next to the star Iota Draconis. So that'll give you, if you've got a star chart, you can find Iota. And in actual fact, it's the curvy part curving between the two bears. Sort of thing, so it's curving around Ursa Minor, and then the rest of Dr- Draco be- lies between the two bears, the Great Bear and the Little Bear. So, this is a great pl- I mean, you know, the, if you can find the pole star, if you can find the Great Bear, you should be able to home in on this region to find this comet, this new additional object to observe. So, on the 23rd, it lies close to Iota Draconis. We think it'll be about magnitude 5.6, plus 5.6. Now, that's technically naked eye, but you do need a dark sky, no light pollution, and ideally for that, it should be really high up as well. Well, it's getting up towards the pole star, so it's not doing too bad. So it's tracking now between the two bears. It'll be closer to the little bear, to be fair, but at least you've got an idea of where to look. So on the 27th, it lies just a few degrees away from the second brightest star in Ursa Minor. This is Beta Ursa Minor, Kokop. So that's a key to look for it. And Kokop is a sort of yellowy orange star, sort of a nice coloured star for you to actually look at as well. Now, by the time we get towards the end of the week, we hope... The comet will have brightened to around about magnitude of five, perhaps 4.8. We don't know. Comets are very fickle things, Ezzy. Uh, you know, we've had plenty of comets over the last few years where we had great expectations. And, uh, you know, sort of, oh, I think there's a book you could write called that sort of thing. Anyway, <laughs> the thing about it is that, you know, we, we, they can often fizzle you know, so we have great expectations, hoping they're going to be great. And we can keep our fingers crossed for E3. It seems to be reasonably consistent. So fingers crossed that we can actually see it. And as it gets brighter than magnitude 5, if it does get to 4.8, we're getting close to the sort of magnitude of the core of the Andromeda galaxy. So if you can see the Andromeda galaxy, there is a Good chance, with a good sky, dark sky, you might see it as a little fuzzy haze. But don't get too excited, it'll be a fuzzy haze. But binoculars and a small telescope should show it quite well. Now, on the 29th, it'll lie uh, roughly on a line. If you take a line from the Pointer Stars to Polaris, that's why they're called the Pointer Stars, not to be confused with the Pointer Sisters, which, of course, is a pop group. But the Pointer Stars of the Great Bear point up towards Polaris. We often use them, that's why they're called the Pointer Stars, because you can find north. You can find the Pole Star. you're looking north. So this is a great way, because you can follow the Pointer Stars, and if you sweep up with binoculars, there should only be one fuzzy blob, and I do love my fuzzy blobs in the night sky, but this will be really fuzzy, because it's a comet. So there should only be one fuzzy blob on that line between the Pointer Stars and Polaris. So if we sweep round that area, Sort of thing, you should find the comet. So we've got great hopes. I hope we won't be disappointed because obviously we're doing this sort of thing a week before. Just fingers crossed it could happen. So, you know, and this will be at its brightest. And it's high. I mean, it's well placed. It's visible all night. You know, when you've got an object in the vicinity of the pole star, you know, it's circumpolar. So you've got all night if you wanted to observe. And if you do follow it all night, you will actually pick up the motion. You'll start to see it moving between the individual stars themselves. So I always find that exciting as well because you you get a sense of the solar system in motion as well. We often sort of lose that because the sky looks fixed. So when you get an object that's moving quite quick across the sky, literally each day it's in a different position, then you get a better sense. And if you can see it moving within, say, a few minutes with a telescope view, and that's it. I think that's quite exciting. It sort of gives you a real sense that you're in a, a, a working solar system. It's actually operational.
0: It's You do kind of forget that because these things, especially like with something like a planet or an asteroid which is or, or the moon, which is something else that you can see drifting across the night sky, you kind of forget how fast these things are moving because it takes, you know, weeks to go a tiny distance across the night sky. Faster in the case of the moon. Um, but actually these things are going, you tens of thousands
1: of kilometers per hour
0: <laughs> as they're traveling speeding around the solar system
1: and they're just so far away the apparent motion looks small to us doesn't it sort of thing that's the problem isn't it yeah exactly it's, it's the, the the distances involved are, are rather large um
0: but yes and comets as you said are a great way to sort of see that motion uh, across the solar system they're also one of the very few unpredictable things in astronomy <laughs> so much of astronomy we can predict you know decades centuries even in advance whereas comets it could be the day before you don't know what's going to happen Uh, which is why we have a running guide uh, keeping track of the comet uh, comet e3 so if you want to have really up-to-date view of what's going on with that comet be sure to head over to www.skyatnightmagazine.com link should be down in the show notes so you can go straight there if you want to find out more about the comet
1: so there we are is it a great way to end the week though isn't it with a comet uh, uh, an extra visitor a celestial visitor to our skies.
0: Yes it does sound like it's been uh, it's going to be a really good week uh, starting on the 23rd of January we've got Venus and Saturn will be close to each other joined by the crescent moon in the evening sky so a great time to see that. 25th of January the moon Neptune and Jupiter will be forming a lovely triangle which is a great opportunity to try and find Neptune if you've never looked at it before, and they'll be hanging out near to the circlet of Pisces. And throughout the week, from the 23rd right the way through to the 29th, um, going beyond, hopefully, Comet E3 will be in the night sky, perhaps maybe even getting up to the stage where you can see it with the naked eye, if you're lucky, in a good sight. But you never know how these things are going to go. So hopefully there's something in there that you'll be able to get up and see this week. Thank you very much, Paul, for taking the time to talk to us about all of those things. Pleasure, and we'll see you next week. And if you've enjoyed us running down all of the things that you can see in the night sky, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and maybe think about leaving us a review. It really does help us and make sure that we get out there to even more people. So thank you very much, and we'll see you here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pull-out sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye.
1: Thank you for listening
0: to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.